Hi, I'm David Zichterman, the pastor of Emden CRC, and today I'll be looking at Psalm 33 and Lord's Day 46 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Psalm 33 says, Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with a harp. Make music to him on the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song, play skillfully, and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him, for he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth, he who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army, no warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance, despite all its great strength it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. And then from Lord's Day 46 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Why did Christ command us to call God our Father? To awaken it in us at the very beginning of our prayer what should be basic to our prayer, a childlike reverence and trust that through Christ God has become our Father, and that just as our parents do not refuse us the things of this life, even less will God our Father refuse to give us what we ask in faith. Why the words in heaven? These words teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty as something earthly and to expect everything needed for body and soul from God's almighty power. A background story for understanding both Psalm 33 and the opening words of the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, is the story told in the Exodus. At the beginning of Exodus, God's people, the Israelites, are oppressed by the Egyptians and forced into slavery. From slavery, they cry out and God hears their cries for help. To rescue his people out of slavery, he sends Moses. As Moses goes back to Egypt, God gives Moses instructions for what he was to do. He was to go before Pharaoh and say, This is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. Let my son go, so he may worship me.
What this implied is that God was their father. And if God was their father, they were not merely slaves, but were called to be sons, sons and daughters of the living God. As children of the living God, they were to rely on God as a father, as the one who would rescue them from slavery and take care of all their needs. In a similar way, that is what saying our father in the Lord's prayer is meant to teach us. It is meant to, as the catechism puts it, awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer what should be basic to our prayer. A childlike reverence and trust that through Christ God has become our father, and that just as our parents do not refuse us the things of this life, even less will God our father refuse to give what we ask in faith. So just as the Israelites were allowed to think of themselves in a new way, not merely as slaves but as sons, so also when we say our father, we are allowed to think of ourselves in a new way, not merely as sinners or failures or wayward, but as redeemed and loved sons and daughters of God. And this knowledge that we are loved children of God is meant to produce in us reverence and trust, that is, reliance upon God. When God told Moses that the Israelites were his sons, they also were meant to realize that they could rely on God, who is like a loving and caring father. Psalm 33 was written to sustain that attitude of reliance upon God. The assumption behind the psalm, the steady base note that gives its structure, is that God's people need to rely on God like a child relies on their parents. Psalm 33 begins with a call to praise and ends with a childlike reverence and trust fitting for God's people. It is a psalm that helps us understand what is meant when we say, Our Father who is in heaven. The psalm begins with a call to praise or worship. The call to worship reminds God's people that it is fitting and proper to praise and worship God. Sing joyfully to the Lord, the psalm begins. You righteous, it is fitting for the upright to praise him. Why? Because God created us for this reason. As the Westminster Confession states, what is humanity's primary purpose? Humanity's primary purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Like how a plant can only flourish in the right type of soil, moisture level, and sunlight, so we really can only flourish when we are firmly rooted in worship. When we sing joyfully to the Lord, when we praise him, then we can grow in the Lord and reflect his glory to the world. The call to worship reminds us we have been created by God and exists for his glory. Verses 4 through 7 serve to highlight this point, that God is our creator and therefore worthy of our worship. As our creator, we can trust and rely on him. This God is first and foremost trustworthy, as verses 4 and 5 state, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. God's word is trustworthy. From the rest of scripture, we know why. God's word is Jesus Christ, who was with God in the beginning and through whom all things were made. God spoke creation into being through his son, Jesus Christ, and formed and shaped it through the Holy Spirit. As our world belongs to God, puts it, In the beginning, God, Father, Word, and Spirit, called this world into being out of nothing and gave it shape and order. Because God loves righteousness and justice, he created this world good. The earth is full of his unfailing love. 
Having been reminded of who this God is, we are called to worship. Verses 6 through 9 reflect further on the creation of this God and why it matters. By the world, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Therefore, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. It is fitting and proper that creation, all the earth, acknowledge its creator by worshiping him. Our world belongs to God. Commenting on these verses says, God formed sky, land, and sea. Stars above, moon and sun, making a world of color, beauty, and variety. A fitting home for plants and animals, and us. A place to work and play, worship and wonder, love and laugh. God rested and gave us rest. In the beginning, everything was very good. Worship this God, this psalm is saying, for he is your creator in whom you live and move and have your being. This is what you were created for. Next, the psalm emphasizes that God still rules over and upholds his creation. The great nations of this world don't decide the course and fate of history. God does, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. God, the Catechism explains, still upholds and rules heaven and earth by his eternal counsel and providence. Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God, by which he upholds as with his hand heaven and earth, and all creatures, and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things in fact happen not by chance or by the will of the or by the will of the nations, but from God's fatherly hand. As verses ten through eleven put it, the Lord foils the plans of the nations, he thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, and the purposes of his heart through all generations. This knowledge of God's creation and providence over history is a great help to us. We can be patient when things go against us, thankful when things go well, and for the future we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father that nothing will separate us from his love. Blessed is the church when we realize this. Then what is said in verse 12 is applied to us. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. When the people of God, the Israelites, realized this, they were blessed. That is, they knew that God's face shone upon them. They knew the creator and guider of history was their God, and this was a great comfort. So also for us. When we, the church of God, the new Israel, realize this, we also are blessed. Then we know that God continues to look down from heaven with favor upon us to give us peace. But lest we ever be tempted to domesticate God, to make God bound to any one people or country or restrict his blessings to only ourselves, the psalm goes on to say, From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth, he who forms the hearts of all who considers everything they do. These verses capture almost perfectly what the phrase who art in heaven in the Lord's Prayer means. Frederick Bruner explains, lest we become too selfish with the Father, in the heavens tells us that God is not only in my sky, but in all the skies of the entire world. 
In the heavens, therefore, expresses what theology calls God's omnipresence. God is in all the skies over every single creature on the planet. When we say heavens, what is meant is the skies above us. The sky immediately visible over my head at this moment stretches for about 60 miles or more from the western to the eastern horizon. That is my sky. But there are other skies over other people, and when one prays, our Father who is in the skies, one is addressing the God in all the skies of all the earth, over everybody and everything. Hence, who art in heaven can often be paraphrased, who is in all the skies. One of the assumptions of Psalm 33 is that God's people are like a son and God is like their father. He who is our father not only created us and sustains us so that we live and move and have our being in him, he is also our father in the skies above us, and not only my skies, but all the skies of the earth. So built into this psalm and into the Lord's Prayer is the request that every person under all the skies would know God as their father through Jesus Christ, who is also their creator and sustainer, and so would develop a childlike awe and trust in God and knowledge of God's providential care. The psalm ends by urging God's people to not rely upon their own strength or might, but to rely upon God Almighty. Verses 16 through 19. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite its great strength, it cannot save. The Israelites were not saved from Egypt by their own might, but rather by God declaring them his son. Their ticket out of slavery was God, their creator, claiming them as his own. Their hope rested in God watching over them, not in their own strength or power. So also for us. There's been a growing temptation within Christianity, especially here in North America and in the United States, to, be to believe that the church's very existence is under threat and can only be saved through raw political power. Psalm 33 reminds us that our protection does not come from power. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope in, in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. Psalm 33 begins with a call to worship and ends with a call to trust and rely upon God. As verses 20 through 22 state, we wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Yet, what does this reliance upon God look like in day-to-day -day life? What does it look like in the midst of the daily grind, with its daily temptations and distractions? Our best example comes from Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Just after finishing the Last Supper, right before his crucifixion, Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. As N.T. Wright explains, In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus called God Father. In John's Gospel, Jesus uses the image of Father and Son to explain what he was himself doing. In that culture, the Son is apprenticed to the Father. He learns his trade by watching what the Father is doing. When he runs into a problem, he checks back to see how his father tackles it. That's what Jesus is doing in Gethsemane when everything suddenly goes dark on him. Father, is this the way? 
Is this really the right path? Do I really have to drink this cup? The letter to the Hebrews says with considerable daring that the son learned obedience by what he suffered. What we see in Gethsemane is the apprentice son checking back one more time to see how the father is doing it. And what is the project that the father and son together are engaged upon? Nothing less than the new exodus, rescuing Israel and the whole world from evil, injustice, fear, and sin. The daring thing about that passage in Hebrews is this. Jesus, too, like us, went on learning what it actually means to call God Father. And the learning process was only complete when he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Jesus gave us his prayer that we, too, may be apprentice sons who rely on God. When we say, Our Father, we are saying, Dear God, who has called me to worship, who is my creator and sustainer, consider me an apprentice son like Jesus. Make me a disciple in your kingdom who lives for your glory, who recognizes your presence over all the skies, over all the earth. We rely on you. Into your hands we give our lives. Relying on God is in many ways learning to be like Jesus. It is trusting that the way of Jesus, the way of loving your enemies, forgiving not just seven times, but 77 times, living in self-denial, humility, and cross-bearing, is the way blessed by God, the way God has chosen to advance his kingdom. And we learn that way by taking upon our lips the prayer Jesus gave us, and with childlike reverence and trust, saying, Our Father who is in the skies. Thanks for listening.